welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you. Yes, amazing grace through Jesus that we receive today through faith, salvation and light and resurrection power and hope and life. We thank you again. We appreciate that. We come around the Word of God to consider what you've done for us. And we thank you again in Jesus' name. Speak to us today from your Word. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Well, give them another clap. Thank you. Thank you, Musos. Thank you, Eleanor, for the spoken word, poem, thingo, whatever you call it, uh, that she wrote to to read over that beautiful song. Wow, that is so cool, isn't it? Very powerful. And speaking of power, I want to talk about the power of the resurrection this morning. Now, Deacons, just take that woman out, please. It's a little too enthusiastic. Oh, it's Joe. No, that's normal. That's okay. She can stay. All right. Now, just we get the cone of silence. So it comes down from the uh, ceiling. No, you can make as much noise as you like. You can swing from the chandeliers. Like Christine was saying, she had gone from one church experience. And again, we love all kinds of churches. But her experience hadn't been awesome in that one. But she had come to a church where it was all happening. I don't know about the maracas and the musical instruments. Uh, we're just, you know, we're, we're just, yeah. You can bring your... Shafar and blow it in the courtyard, but uh, oh look, Ruth would be into it. Let's face it, I know she was so. Oh look, last week you may remember she was running in to do communion because she'd been out with the kids. So she's you know doing the kids band, and she came in and uh, and she was uh, really exhausted but excited. Not exhausted, but she you know short of breath because she raced back in time for sharing communion. She was so excited because they were doing a Jewish dance and song. So that's great for the kids. It's too embarrassing for the adults. But okay, no, be, be prepared, right? Because it's happened before. No doubt it'll happen again. And the thing is, she's got a prophetic edge because she'll say, hey, what about this? I'll say, no, babe, no, 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 no. It's just, you know. But then she'll say one day, the Lord's spoken to me. Oh, okay. Okay, so then that Sunday, we're doing a Jewish dance or something, you know. So, you know, I mean, David sang in his undies and, you know, like, but praise the Lord, that's not today. It's all very ordered. I'm wearing a suit. It's very serious, right? All right. So, you know, uh, in the early 1990s, the Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein uh, invaded Kuwait, prompting the Gulf War, you may remember, saw uh, nearly a million troops deployed from 37 different countries forming a coalition to stop him, spearheaded of course by the United States who had about 700,000 of those troops sent in. On the um, 27th of February, 1991, at the height of this war, an American woman named Ruth Dillow received a message from the Pentagon. It informed her that her son Clayton, a soldier in the US Army, had stepped on a landmine in Kuwait and had been killed. And she wrote this, I can't begin to describe my grief and shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I wept, for three days I expressed anger and loss, 
For three days, people tried to comfort me, but to no avail because the loss was too great. But then the telephone rang and the voice on the other end said, Mum, hi, it's me, I'm alive. Ruth Dillow couldn't believe it at first, but she recognised his voice and she realised her son really was alive and it had all been a mistake. She laughed, she cried, she jumped for joy because her son, who she thought was dead, was alive. And she wrote, I'm sure none of you can even begin to understand how I felt. Well, perhaps not, but 2,000 years ago, I know a bunch of people who would have understood exactly how she felt because they experienced the same emotions themselves. Because one day they watched their mentor, their leader, their Lord go to a cross, the worst form of execution at the time. And they saw him die as he uttered his last words, it is finished. Then they saw him taken down from the cross. They watched as his body was buried along with all their hopes and dreams. And of course, they mourned for three days, just like this woman did. But then when a couple of the women went to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Not only that, there was an angel casually sitting on the stone saying, what are you doing? I know you're here to look for Jesus, but you won't find him here because he's alive. He is risen. Come on. And that's what we celebrate this morning. Jesus overcame death, the greatest accomplishment in human history, the the greatest day in human history, and he's alive today. And not only that, he shares his victory over death with anyone who commits their life to him, who follows him, who wants to believe in him. And we receive this incredible gift of eternal life. We don't Earn it, just as we heard Christine saying it, just came over her, this realisation. She doesn't have to work for it. It's just a gift. We receive it. And that's worth celebrating. That's powerful, yeah? And the Bible is full of references to this power, the power of the resurrection and descriptions of how it applies to our lives today, including letters that Paul the Apostle wrote. You may have heard of him. And uh, he wrote uh, to the Philippians about how his life in following Jesus was radically different to the life that he had had before. He was a Jewish um, Pharisee, highly esteemed, well-respected, but he uh, walked away from that position of, of prominence and privilege in society and was happy to follow Christ even though it led to a harder life. And he writes this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, Thanks, and there it is on the screen uh, from the NIV, New International Version. He says, whatever were gains to me, that's like his past life, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And there was a lot of loss. Like I said, real, real privileged position, well off, well respected, man about town, uh, and now he was considered the scum of the earth. He was attacked and eventually you know, killed because of his faith. But he says, he doesn't care. He says... I consider it all a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Just knowing Jesus is worth more than anything else the world offered him. Isn't that amazing? 
He says, I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. He knew all about that, trying to you know, do the right thing religiously, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, he says. Yes, watch this, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, you'd agree that Paul is a reasonably good model to follow if you're a Christian, you know, perhaps the best ever. And uh, as I said, he turned his back on worldly ways in, other, in order to follow godly ways, God's ways. He discovered his destiny uh, in Christ. He served God with his gifts. He he persevered through extreme trial and, and perse- persecution. And of course, he, he prayed and stayed close to Christ through it all. And so when you read his letters and you read about his life, it's a fair question to ask, am I living how Paul lived? Am I following the kind of principles that he's talking about? Am I imitating Paul as he imitates Christ? Which is a reference to uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, where he says that. Boldly, confidently, not proudly, but he says to the Corinthians, hey, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. I've cottoned onto a few things here. It's like the ultimate life coach, really. You know, look, I've, I've, I've learned a few things. I'm following Jesus. If you do what I'm doing, you'll do well. So notice here one thing he says he does that we should be able to say, I want to know the power of his resurrection. He says also, I know that part of this is a participation in suffering. In other words, dying to myself, dying to my selfish, self-centred kind of natural ways, but in order to discover the power of this resurrection. And so that makes me think, well, what does it look like to know the power of Christ's resurrection? Because let's face it, the Christian faith, essentially it's not just a bunch of rules and regs. You know, it's not just what you believe or say or it's not a a creed it's not just a bunch of religious rules it's a relationship that should change our lives because the power of the risen Christ comes to live inside us through the Holy Spirit so it should make a difference you know it should your life should be affected if you follow Christ and you see that when you read the book of Acts you know the early church you see people, their lives are turning around 180 years. They're devoted to God. They're committed to each other. They're, they're, they're obeying the Great Commission to preach about Jesus, even though it's going to cost them a lot. In fact, it costs some of them their life. One of my heroes, you've got to love Stephen. You know, when you read Acts, you get to about chapter 6 and then chapter 7. And uh, he's the very first martyr of the church. You know, someone dying for their faith in such a way that it brings glory to God. That's a pretty good, I think, definition of, of a martyr. Uh, and, and he's preaching Jesus so boldly, so loudly, that it gets everybody's attention, including people like Paul at the time, who was a religious Pharisee, angry at these Christians, doing what they think is blasphemy. And so they gather, him, they, they gather together and they, they stone him. And, I mean... They stone him. Like when I was a kid, my brother and I had stone fights with the evil Trask brothers. Now, Peter and Paul Trask, if you're here this morning, I forgive you. God bless you. It's been a long time. 
It's been, you know, nearly 50 years perhaps, but I won't forget you dropped a big rock on top of my head, split it open, okay, but forgiven. Mind you, I probably got a few good shots in. I mean, with friends, we, we had dirt bombs because there was a lot of building going on where we grew up and there were piles of clay and dirt and all that. So you'd pick up a good little, you know, dirt bomb, you'd chuck it at your mates. But with the evil Trasks who lived not far down the road uh, and enemies that you had uh, in the neighbourhood, you'd just go straight to stones and you would just try and get the best shot. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, you know, you'd probably get arrested. Yeah, right, which... Uh, we even had the, anyway, I, I, I won't extrapolate, but, uh, but that's just kid stuff. But they literally stoned people to death with big enough and heavy enough and constant enough bombardment of rocks. And you'd think if they start stoning you, you would be tempted to cry out something like, okay, okay, I'll back off. All right, take it easy, settle down, I'm sorry. All right, I'll just take my faith. I'll sit in the corner, I won't tell anyone. But what does Stephen do? He effectively says, is that all you got? Bring it on. He doesn't care. He is just preaching. He preaches an amazing sermon. You can read in about chapter 6. They stone him and he's, he's basically saying, look, you can destroy my body, but you can't destroy my spirit. And he just checks out and checks into heaven. His body is broken. His spirit just goes on. That is Powerful stuff. And the source of that power that sustained him is available today for you and me. Hopefully you don't have to prove that by being stoned to death and rejoicing in that. But the Holy Spirit is still filling people with that enthusiasm, that grit, that confidence, that boldness, that strength. And he comes to empower people, counsel people, help people. He's gentle and yet he's powerful. And he can... He can move in our lives. And so what, how does that look in our lives? A few things. The power of the resurrection. Well, first of all, it means you have power over death. The body, of course, is going to check out, like I said. But this power, you don't, get, you don't get to fully experience this power at the moment. You've got to wait till you die. But if you believe in Jesus, you will keep on living. Your spirit will carry on into the presence of God. And let's face it. The body these days is really overrated. I mean, there's a lot of attention, isn't there, on bodies, like getting trim and taut and toned and tapered and every, you know, whether it's getting the faces done and nipped and tucked or the blokes just working on every little sinew in the gym to get it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to the gym, looking good, feeling good, get a bit of work. I don't know. It's, it's, not, a, it's not the end of the world. It's not the, but it's not the be all and end all, the body. Because no matter what you do to it, it's still a tent. The Bible says it's a tent. It's going to wear out. It's kind of a bit sad, I think, sometimes when you see people, you know, 70 trying to look 40 and 80 trying to look 41 and, you know, just doing everything. Just, I just think you're going to, it's going to wear out, yeah? Uh, but that's okay. The body's going to die on you, literally. But your spirit is the real you. It's going to carry on. And you can live with that certainty of victory over death. As Paul wrote in another letter, he wrote to the, book, to the, to the, um, the church in Rome, Romans chapter 6. And we're doing baptisms in a few weeks, by the way. So if you want to be baptised as a public sign of your personal faith, then see us because we go down to the beach and, 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 uh, and bury people in the water. 
That's what it says here, Romans 6 verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death so that in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so we follow Jesus and his example to the cross in the sense that we die to our old self. We die to doing life all by myself, for myself, my way or the highway, that kind of attitude. And we just say, all right, God, you made me, Jesus, you died for me. I figure you got a better shot at how to live my life. I surrender. Lead me, bless me, show me, take me, to, you know, use me. Here's my life. And baptism represents that death to the old person. We go down into the water. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know how viral it is, but someone sent me a pretty funny clip of a baptism. And there's this, this poor woman who's going under and she doesn't want to go under and the guy chases her around the swimming pool and she turns up to... And I, I, I remember a lady came to me when we were doing baptisms down to the beach and she said, do you put them right under the water? And she said, oh, that's right. She said, how long do you hold people under the water for? And I said... <sighs> I said, well, it depends how sinful you've been. And by the look of you, it's going to be a while. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I was, I was young then. It was a couple of months ago. <laughs> and she was reasonably senior. So I said, but, and then her, the, her face went white. And she said, oh, that's terrible. She didn't realise I was joking. And, and she, she said, oh, that's terrible because I have a real fear of water. And so then I had to try and back off. No, no, it's all right. But I, but, and she wanted me to say, we just sprinkle you. But I, I mean, we do push you under, but not for too long. But anyway, this guy I saw on the video, this woman walking back and he's going, getting her down. Anyway, back to the Bible. It's symbolic, the baptism of being buried just as Jesus was. But just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you get up out of the water after only a couple of seconds. You know, and, uh, and so we receive this new eternal life when we believe in him. And so we look forward to this ultimate, complete resurrection from the dead and we will be ultimately, completely united with Jesus in the future. So that's awesome, power over death. You don't have to fear death. The body will die, but your spirit will live on. But, okay, what about at the very beginning? That's the end of the Christian experience. What about the beginning of the Christian journey? Well, the power of the resurrection is there as well, to change lives completely, turned around, just as we heard this morning from Christine, just a radical change in that moment, that, that atmosphere, that, that revelation she had of God's grace, God's love. She didn't have to earn it. She just had to receive it. And uh, I love stories like this. I read just this week about the um, English evangelist, Leonard Ravenhill. You may have heard of him in the 20th century. And being an evangelist, he had lots of stories of how people's lives were dramatically changed at that point of surrender, being born again, being committed in their life to Christ. And some people, let's face it, they live a very good life. They get born again. It may not change a lot on the outside. They just continue to live a very good life. They're just going to heaven now and they're hopefully still a nice person. But for some people, they've been a, a, a train wreck and things can really radically change, like this guy wrote about. So he was preaching a 
crusade in a church in Glasgow, Scotland. And it started just as World War II began. So he had already booked the dates. He went to the church and then everybody is just fearful of going out. So hardly anyone comes to the church. He had no more than 50 people coming to each of his meetings. And it was a big church and he was used to big meetings. But he preached his heart out, as he should, every night. And one night a young lad came up, talked to him, and he said, his name was Donald Wilson. And he said, Mr. Ravenhill, I am not a Christian. I believe I'm a good person, but I also realise now I need Christ. And he said, well, that Ravenhill replied, that's great. If you know that, that's a wonderful thing. Do you come from a Christian family? He said, no, not at all. My father is a communist and he's a vicious alcoholic. He said, what about your mother? No, she was a Christian, but she's backslidden. So Leonard Ravenhill led this young man to faith in Jesus. And then he told him to go home and say to his dad, tell him you've become a Christian tonight. It's always good to be able to stand up on your faith and and your convictions. Two nights later, this great big burly man showed up and Leonard Ravenhill gave an invitation for people to come forward and give their lives to Christ. This man came forward. He said, yes, I'm the man, I'm the father, I was a communist. My my son has given his life to Christ. He said, for the last two nights, I strangely didn't want to drink at all. And And I thought, if my son needed saving, I sure need it also. And the evangelist wrote later in his journals, this man who looked like he could have thrown me right through the building, just bawled like a child and said, I am a sinner and I need a saviour. He gave his life to Christ. That's not the end of the story. Six years later, after the war, Leonard Ravenhill goes back to that same church. He meets with the pastor. pastor leans over to him and he points out this guy in the church congregation. He says, see that man over there, that well-dressed man? Remember the communist that got saved that night when his son came to faith? He said, yeah. He said, well, that's him. And you know what? He is the strongest Christian I have in this church. You can rely on him as sure as the dawn. He wants you to go home to their home for a meal. So Leonard Ravenhill went to Mr. Wilson's house. He discovered the whole family had been saved. His marriage had been saved and restored. His mother, his wife, their teenage daughters. The house was beautifully painted, well presented. Wilson said, you know, Mr. Ravenhill, I was a man who wanted the world to be right, but I wasn't right myself. I'll tell you how much Jesus Christ has made. How much change Jesus Christ has made. He has not only changed my life, he's changed the whole home. The gospel did this. It met me personally, domestically and socially. I've gone back to the factory where I worked and told all the men there of the miracle of the gospel. It took out the habit I had of cursing other people and of drinking and all types of other things. Since I came to faith in Christ, he has completely changed and revolutionised my life. And Levin... Ravenhill writes, that's the gospel and the power of the resurrection to everyone who believes. Isn't that awesome? And that is so common all throughout history, all over the world, in all different cultures and communities, people coming to Christ. As I said, sometimes it might not, they might have to, they might not be a, you know, a a terrible alcoholic or whatever. It might be a more subtle change on the outside, but it's radical nonetheless on the inside. And so we should never underestimate the power of God coming into someone's life. That point of commitment, that point of salvation can help them overcome addictions, forgiving them, 
no matter how great their sins have been and the guilt and the shame that they carry and leads them to this wonderful life like that guy had where they're blessing other people, bringing glory to God. And that's possible for every, every single person you meet and see. Sometimes they might seem so far from God and, and yet they're just one prayer away. Just one, one moment. Just, just turn, you know, the word repent just means to turn around. Not this heavy, you know, religious term that means anything except changing your mind. Just turning from God to, turning from, from being away from God to turning to him. And anyone can do that. And the power of the resurrection comes in. That's cool, isn't it? And so we see the power of the resurrection when, when, we, when we die <laughs> to help us live forever. We'll, we'll see it right at the beginning of the Christian life. And in the meantime, wow, God's power is with us the, to, to help you live with purpose, with hope, with perseverance in the tough times. Look at this um, passage in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter's writing. And... Um, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. That's why people talk about being born again. Jesus said it, John chapter 3, and it's a new birth, a new life from God when you commit your life to him. He says it's a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Wow. Because, you know, many people sadly live without any hope, without uh, a sense of direction or purpose or a sense of significance about their life. But right here, you're to we're told through the resurrection of Jesus, you get a new start. You get a new life. You've got a living hope, hope that is staying alive no matter what. It doesn't matter what happens, that hope can, can be there, can be still living inside us. One translation says, we now live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus rose from the dead. And so the question is, am I living with that wonderful expectation of good things? Am I living with hope? Because you can, right? We should be able to live with this great buoyant, positive expectation of the future, no matter what the circumstances are. You don't have to suffer from oh, Monday-itis. Oh, okay, tomorrow's public holiday, but, you know, other Sundays be like, oh, I've got to go to work. Or what, what am I here for? What's life all about? I'm drifting through life aimlessly, wondering what, what, what's, it all, what's it all about? Because in Christ, you get purpose, meaning, direction, hope, even when... You know, things seem pretty mundane. Like, like you don't have to be a world-famous mountain climber or start a brand-new, you know, business or accomplish this or achieve that. Some of the great Christian lives, some of the most enjoyable lives have been quiet lives, seemingly insignificant lives. And then every now and then we get to read about them because they turned out to be not that insignificant, like Brother Lawrence. You may have heard of this guy. He lived in the 17th century. He was a French monk and uh, he wrote and talked about his walk with Jesus. And people wrote down some of the things that he said as, and collected his writings. And after he died, they put them together and published what we have now as practicing the presence of God. And it's been, become a Christian classic. But he wasn't out to be 
you know, a New York Times number one best-selling author. He just lived his life, wrote some stuff, shared his thoughts with people, and you could say that in many ways it wasn't a great life, wasn't a, a, a successful life in that sense of being, you know, famous and impacting and influential or rich or anything. But he had discovered the power and the excitement of Jesus just living inside him day to day. He even wrote in his book about the enjoyment he had of doing the dishes, washing up the dishes because he did it with Jesus. And every little chore, because he lived in this, you know, monastic, quiet, secluded kind of world, they, they didn't get out and about and, you know, achieve great things. Everything was kind of menial, if you like. But he wrote this, we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. So he just carried this ah, presence of God, love for God, awareness of God, the, you know, just this carrying this constant appreciation. God is with me. I'm sharing his love. I'm living in his love. I'm appreciating his grace and I'm enjoying whatever I do. So that tells me that you can have a life of purpose and meaning, even greatness, if you like, without being famous, without being, you know, the next survivor, all-star, you know, since reality television, everybody's, you know, thinking I could be a star and, and some people do become a five-minute, 15-minute flash-in-the-pan TV celebrity because there's a lot of you know, cameras going into people's lives, people filming everything they do, putting it on YouTube, hoping to get a million likes. Woohoo, I'm an influencer. You know, that's not the essence of life, is it? That's not really where it's at. Because this guy, I think he discovered the power of the love of God, resurrection in him. And um, in fact, you know, he's, he started out life as Nicholas Herman. That's what he originally was. When he entered the monastery, he took on the name as a, as a brother, he took on the name Lawrence of the Resurrection. I think how fitting for that today. He lived until he was 77, which I looked up was like three times the life expectancy in France at the time. Edgar, you'd be pleased to know you were born this century. Actually, no, you weren't. You were born last century. But if you were born several centuries before that, life expectancy in France was 25. So brother Lawrence lived until he was 77. And when he first became ill and they thought he was going to die, he bounced back. He got back, he got better. And he said to the physician when he sort of woke up, he said, doctor, your remedies have worked too well for me. You have only delayed my happiness. <laughs> He's thinking, oh, this is it. I'm going to die. Wow. Oh, I'm still here. You know? And then just before he did pass away, just a few days before he died, he wrote his last words in a letter I hope for the merciful grace of seeing him in a few days. Isn't that the way to go out? Because what did that scripture say? Can we say that again? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. He lived with that hope right to the end. And he had that inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. So that's, that's resurrection power. And we can have that. You can live with that all throughout your life when times are tough, when there doesn't seem to be hope, there's hope still here inside through the power of God, yeah? So I want you to appreciate that today and, and, and uh, you know, appropriate that through faith into your life and live with that. We all can, but of course the ball's in our court 
as far as we respond to what God offers. It's, you know, the grace of God. Jesus has come, died on the cross for our sins. And if we respond wisely and humbly and correctly, that resurrection power comes into our life. We get direction from him. It's the best way to live. Amen. And so if you today want to pray a prayer of commitment, maybe a recommitment if you've walked with God in the past or for the very first time, we'll finish our service. Musos are going to come. We'll finish with a song. But I'm going to ask Byron and Ruth just to stay here at the front. And if you're with someone, you know, they'll come with you or just come on your own. They're friendly people and they'll pray a prayer with you. Or even if you've just got questions about having a relationship with God, yeah? yeah? Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this significant day. And we thank you for the power of your resurrection that is applicable and, and uh, available for each one of us. We pray, we thank you for the life of God, the power of the resurrection of Jesus through the Holy Spirit living within us so that we can, we can live strongly, overcoming obstacles, whatever is thrown at us, living with hope, living with your love flowing through us so we can love other people, we can shine light into dark places, we can overcome evil with good, can make a difference in the world. And just like Paul, like we read, we want to know you more than anything else. We just want to know you, Lord Jesus, and we want to know the power of your resurrection. Help us all to figure out what that looks like in our lives. And I pray your blessing on everyone here today as we leave here walking with you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.